My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, um, so I am married to my high school sweetheart, um, and we've got two boys together. We've got an almost five-year-old and a nine-month-old baby. So, um, yeah, that's our family. We've got two dogs and you know, own a house, kind of like, I guess, classic family situation there. Okay. Um, so talk to me about your just general adjustment to motherhood. You said you have a, your oldest is five, right? Yeah. Um, so when we had my oldest, um, we had been married for about a year and it was kind of funny. We were actually, um, transitioning into like our living situation. We were going from renting an apartment to buying a house. Um, so we were living with my mother-in-law in the interim while we were working out the details of buying our home. And then um, my oldest was born early. I had preeclampsia. So he was born six weeks early, which we were not expecting. Um, so that was an interesting dynamic with him not only being premature, but also living like in the spare bedroom at my mother-in-law's house. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very tight fit, especially with our two dogs that we had at the time, too. Um, so, I, I mean, if I had to sum up my intro to motherhood, the first couple months were chaotic. <laughs> um, and just, like, not what I expected in terms of where we were at. Um, but, you know, right now, looking back on that, um, all I remember is, you know, the good stuff, like walking around the neighborhood with my mother-in-law, you know, for stroller walks and stuff, and her getting to spend that extra time with her grandson um, was really special. So once we, you know, bought our house and moved in, um, things kind of simmered down and we fell into a nice routine. Um, but yeah, the first couple of months were kind of crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I've talked to so many women who, especially lately, it seems like who had preeclampsia and that's just so stressful and puts you in so many positions, especially with the, with the birth and the labor, mm -hmm. um, that can just be traumatic sometimes. And then obviously the environment that you go into when you initially like have your baby for the first time, if that's chaotic, it seems like that can mm -hmm. just cause so many issues for women. I know a lot of women who were like in the middle of major life changes, like job changes at that time, um, or who had a death in the family or like were renovating their house. And it's like that time it should be like so calm and it's just, mm -hmm. it never really is. It seems. Mm -hmm. Um, so that really makes a big difference. Um, so yeah, talk to me about like kind of the birth and the preeclampsia. What was that like? Yeah. So, um, you know, preeclampsia was something that I had like read about and you know I think it was in what to expect when you're expecting or something is like one of the complications that some women have um, but it was 
totally not on my radar. I was having, you know, a really easy picture perfect pregnancy. I was 23. Um, so I didn't really have any risk factors um, that would signify that we were going to be going down that road. But um, I was just getting into my, I think, 33rd week of pregnancy and um, was feeling, you know, run down, tired, all that stuff that I thought was normal third trimester fatigue. Um, but it's, uh, Eventually, I kind of woke up one morning, had breakfast, and realized that I was having a really hard time, um, like, reading words, and I was seeing spots, like, floating in my vision, like, bright lights. Like, when you look at a light bulb for a second and then look away, you see that after effect. Um, and I was trying to Google my symptoms to see what it could be, and I, like, wasn't understanding the words on my screen. And then I felt the right side of my face and my right arm went numb. Um, so I was like, uh, honey, I, I think I should probably go to the emergency room. And he was like, why don't you just lay down? You're probably just tired. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I really, I think I should see a doctor. I think I might be having a stroke. So, uh, we went to the, the ER and by the time we got there, um, all my symptoms had subsided. I felt totally normal. I felt like I had like, <laughs> you know, wasted a copay, um, or something, but they, you know, they checked, um, I think they did a blood draw and they, you know, did the dip test on my urine, which I had been doing at my, you know, biweekly or however often those uh, prenatal checkups are. And the doctor came in and he sat down on the bed next to me. And I was like, oh crap, <laughs> this is not going to be good. Um, and he was like, so you have severe preeclampsia um, and we're going to be admitting you. And I was like, oh gosh, well, okay. You know, we made some frantic phone calls to make sure our dogs were taken care of. Um, I let my parents know that I was fine, but I was being admitted to the hospital, which made my mom freak out in the drive over to the hospital right away. And so this um, is like six weeks before you were due, right? Okay. Yeah. So I was like 33 and two days or something. So um, yeah, by the time I was admitted, um, you know, they did some more tests and stuff and said, okay, your blood pressure is not um, staying stable it keeps climbing and we're you know afraid that you might be headed into like where you're going to be having seizures um so they started me on magnesium and decided to induce me um and that whole process of the induction took about five days <laughs> so it was just That's five awful. days of not sleeping yeah they had to come in and check my um my reflexes every hour so i didn't get more than like 40 minutes of sleep the entire week until i had my oldest. Um, and then finally, I think that one of the resident doctors, uh, this is purely speculation, but I think he like mercy broke my water when he checked, <laughs> checked to see how dilated I was. Um, cause then things started moving. Um, and you know, I got an epidural, all that worked just fine. And 10 hours later, um, I had a natural delivery with my four pound, 13 ounce, uh, you know, six week early little baby. Um, and he was great, but he needed to go to the NICU because he was so small and he um, was having a hard time eating. So he wound up getting an NG tube um, and was in the NICU for a little over two weeks and then came home with us uh, after that. So it all worked out in the end, but man, it was a crazy wild ride and not what I was expecting to go through as a first time parent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything from the beginning, even just to like being there for being there, first of all, totally unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And then too, the long just induction process. I, it's, it's just like traumatic. Every, yes. everything that you plan for kind of goes out the window. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah. So talk to me about um, like what, 
the transition like further into motherhood kind of was like with with you for your five-year-old um like how you kind of adjusted to like maybe when he was a little bit older and you were mm -hmm. out of the woods um with any of his issues when you were like physically out of your mother-in-law's house and all that right stuff. right so um i am self-employed so that was kind of the biggest not hurdle but just something i had to figure out um coming into parenthood uh my husband works a typical full-time job monday through friday so that left me uh in charge of the bulk of the child care while still trying to run my business too um so it was a bit of a balancing act but initially you know my husband and I were kind of like ships passing in the night where he'd get home from work, I'd head out the door and we did that for, oh gosh, probably a year or so. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, I really enjoyed that first year. Infancy is so fun, but it was stressful just because it felt like I was always on. Either I was mom, you know, or I was, you know, doing my self-employed working mother thing. Um, and then I'd come home and you know, my husband would be asleep, baby would be asleep, and I'd have more computer work to do and then rinse and repeat the next day. So um, it wasn't really until we started my oldest in uh, like a daycare when he was about a year old that things really started to feel more relaxed to me where I actually had some time every day to like sip my coffee in peace or like shower without a jumperoo in the bathroom. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I remember talking with one of my really good mom friends about this concept of like always having to be on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's why it's so tempting and so good to just like zone out on your phone for five minutes or like mm -hmm. when you're peeing, just like try to be off. And it's, right. yeah, I mean, it's always something and it, it's taxing to just always be on. There's just this mental load with moms mm -hmm. that you don't see that like, you know, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing here, but dads don't have it as much. There's just something about the motherhood role where you're always on. If you're not physically taking care of the child, you're working. If you're not doing that, then you're thinking of what groceries you need or you're mm -hmm. trying to figure out what daycare to send them to. Like there's always something that you're on about. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned too, when you were younger, you kind of dealt with some some anxiety and some OCD type symptoms. So why don't you, if you feel okay about it, just talking to us about that and um, your yeah. experience with it and then how it shows up in your motherhood. Cause I know that's a, a big thing for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, my first sign that something was a little bit off was I was 12 or 13 years old um, and my family took myself and my siblings to a concert. Um, and I'll never forget it, it was at the US Cellular Arena in Milwaukee and really, really fun concert. We were all having a great time. And then in the middle of it, I started having what I know now was a panic attack. But when you're 12 or 13, you have no idea what's happening to you. I just remember feeling like uh, adrenaline rushing through my body that I couldn't control. Uh, I started having like super intrusive thoughts that, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, this was, I think, during the start of the Iraq war. And I think that there was just like that horrible video that came out of some American citizen being beheaded. And so I felt like my neck burning and I was convinced that my head was gonna fall off. Like totally, like obviously that was not gonna happen. I was safe, I was with my family, but yeah, I ran out into like the, um, the concession stand area and my dad followed me and he, he was like, what's going on? And he, you know, really concerned. And he was able to get me to calm down and help to do like some deep breathing stuff. Um, and then, you know, we were able to finish our family night out. And then when we came home, I was still kind of on edge from that and feeling like 
I couldn't turn off this panic. Um, and so my parents decided, uh, well, they talked with me too and said, do you want to be evaluated? And I was like, yeah, this is really scary. Uh, the next couple of days, I still couldn't shake that feeling. So I wound up sitting down um, with a psychologist and, you know, he interviewed me for a while and uh, determined that I had moderate to severe OCD. Um, just because I couldn't get rid of these intrusive thoughts were the, the main thing that kind of plagued me. Um, and it was something that, it was my decision not to medicate or um, really pursue treatment at that point because I almost felt like guilty, which is really weird being a preteen or a teenager and like feeling like it's your fault that you're having these thoughts. And I, you know, I didn't want my parents to have to go into debt to pay for it because I don't think like mental health was covered on our family insurance. So it largely went untreated um, until motherhood for me. Really, I just kind of did what I could to keep my anxiety low through, you know, meditation and uh, self-care, trying to, you know, treat it as best as I could on my own. Um, but then, you know, the first couple weeks postpartum hit and your hormones are just bananas. Like there's just, there's no comparison. And even going through it a second time, I'd forgotten just how crazy the hormones are. Um, but I went back and talked to a psychiatrist, like a postpartum psychiatrist, and um, he got me set on some meds just for the anxiety portion of it. Um, and then eventually an antidepressant. And so now I'm happily <laughs> medicated. <laughs> and Rock on, girl. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My OCD has been so much better since starting the meds. So I'm like, why did I do this like year, years earlier? But um, Same. That's like the only regret. And everyone has their own choices. Like I'm trying to keep in mind listeners of all kinds and like you do you. But like mm -hmm. in my experience, I just want to give you that solidarity. Like I'm an OCD yeah. therapist over here and I take medications and it's, mm -hmm. it was one of the best decisions for my family that I've ever, ever made. So mm -hmm. you do what you need to do. Yes, absolutely. So thankfully, um, since starting my meds, I've really been doing very well with it. Um, of course, this year being 2020, everything with COVID-19 has kind of <laughs> turned that upside down. So I'm still, still doing okay, but you know, it, this has just been the craziest year ever. So I am starting to see a little bit more of those intrusive thoughts and like obsessive hand washing and stuff um, come about just with all of the fear of getting infected with this global virus. So, um, you know, I have good days and bad days, mostly good days, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm curious. And I, I definitely want to talk about the pandemic and how that has affected everything because you, I'm trying to do the math. You must've been pregnant mm -hmm. or like just recently had your baby mm -hmm. and everything started yes. to go down and, and obviously you're going through it now, just like all of us. So, but I'm curious right. how you knew that it, like, what were the symptoms that manifested for you during either your first one or your second one. I, I just want to give moms some examples, like on a day-to-day -day basis, how this can show up for, for people um, mm -hmm. in case they're struggling with it. Like what are the things on a day-to-day -day basis that you were really struggling with, with your OCD and anxiety as a mom? And yeah, what are some mm -hmm. examples that you can just give our listeners? Yeah. So um, I'm just going to go recently because I honestly can't remember with my firstborn, but um, my son is almost 10 months old now, my younger one. So lately how I've been seeing it manifest is obsessive tracking of stuff, like every nap, diaper change, um, feed, 
we're doing both breastfeeding and bottle feeding. So, um, you know, just making sure, like, if my husband doesn't log something, I'm like, why didn't you log it? Like, I need to see it. Like, I really don't need to see that. He's 10 months old, but like, that's just something that makes me feel calm. Like I can control stuff if I log it in this app. Um, and other things too, like when I'm mixing up a bottle, like a formula bottle, making sure that there's exactly the right ounces of water and exactly the right scoop. Um, and if something is off there, I just chuck it. Like I chuck the whole thing and start over, um, which is so unnecessary. <laughs> like I know this, but. Um, but at the moment it feels really real to you and you, there's a real mm -hmm. consequence for you. That's the craziness of OCD. Like, and that's why mm -hmm. it's so difficult for people. And so horrific. I mean, like if you liked these symptoms, it wouldn't be a disorder. <laughs> it would be more right. like the OCPD if that's what you want to call it, but it would just be the way that you live your life. You'd be more flexible with it, but you're not. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And other things too, that like checking of stuff, I'm constantly checking the temperature in the boys room to make sure that it's not too hot, not too cold, because if it's too hot, then, you know, that's a SIDS risk and all that stuff. Um, checking locks on the doors to make sure that we're not going to have like a home invader, even though we live in a pretty safe area. Um, and we've got dogs and like security cameras and stuff too. So it's really something that shouldn't be a worry. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, right. Those are what's coming to mind right now for how my OCD has been manifesting lately. Yeah, those are awesome examples. And I think they're good examples, especially because they're things that I think a lot of women could relate to. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't know if you feel comfortable. I, I could give this answer, but they've heard it from me before. I would love an mm -hmm. answer from someone who's in it, like in the trenches, who has had OCD and is struggling with, not struggling with it, but kind of trying to overcome it mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis now. In your kind of experience, how do you, what does it feel like when you feel like it's no longer just like, it's not okay anymore. It's not just like normal motherhood stuff. At what point do mm -hmm. you feel, get to the point where you're like, okay, this is maybe too much. Like this is more OCD mm -hmm. stuff going on. Yeah. For me, it usually winds up becoming like a panic attack situation where I, my chest feels super tight. Like I have a hard time breathing, which is also COVID-19 symptoms. So every, every time that happens, I'm like panic attack or COVID-19. It's probably a panic attack. But <laughs> um, So, you know, I have a hard time breathing and I feel that like adrenaline rush of like my blood just pulsing through my veins and like, I just have a hard time deregulating myself. Um, so it usually happens at the end of the day. Um, you know, just when you finally have a chance to like get a break because my husband got home from work and um, it just kind of hits me. So then I'm thankfully able to kind of hand the reins fully over to my husband while I take care of working myself down. Um, and, you know, that hasn't happened often, thankfully, but um, it has happened a couple times. And so I usually touch base with my doctor um, and get some advice from them. Um, sometimes that means a little uh, extra anxiety medication just to get me through the panic attacks. Um, and sometimes it's just talking, like um, verbal therapy helps too, so. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now. And now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk & Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for for years. 
Silk and Sounder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk and Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months, and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbod.com and click on deals. Anything else related to the pandemic? I know you mentioned some like obsessive hand washing and just kind of some Mm -hmm. thoughts about maybe getting it or whatever. Anything else in, in how it affected your motherhood experience, especially for the most recent baby? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a lot of it is just avoiding social situations right now, which I think is, you know, the CDC says to avoid large groups of people. So it's good advice. Um, I don't know that we're taking that too far. I, I feel like we're being pretty reasonable about it where we don't take um, the kids out to stores or restaurants or that sort of stuff, but we do still see our parents um, and we try to keep our circle small that way. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things too, where after a visit with my parents, even though I know they're being very cautious too, it's in the back of my head, like, what if they're sick and they don't know it and they get us sick? What if we're sick and don't know it and we get them sick? So it's a constant like baseline worry that hasn't gone away for the past like six or seven months or how long it's been right now. Um, that I just, I feel like a lot of people are feeling that baseline worry that just doesn't go away. Yeah. And as we approach like holidays, I'm thinking Halloween and Christmas and all those things, mm-hmm. maybe birthdays, especially, I feel like so many women and me included, we feel like we've kind of been like robbed mm-hmm. <laughs> of like these memories. Like my, my son is two and a half and we were, we were just out getting him a, a Halloween costume. And I'm thinking like, I don't even know if he's going to be able to wear it. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. by the, by the time that we're actually able to celebrate and experience Halloween together, he might be five. And like right. that, that may be a totally different experience than him as a, as a two and a half year old. And yeah, so it's just a rough time mm-hmm. on top of everything else. Um, another thing that you mentioned that I know a lot of women would love to hear more about, you mentioned that at least one of your child, one of your children, um, I believe has some sensory issues and just some feelings that you have associated with that. So any, anything that you can say more to this feeling and what it's like just parenting a child who has these issues? Yeah. So my five-year-old, um, it does seem like he's got some sensory issues. He doesn't have a formal diagnosis of anything yet, but we've noticed that he can get very overstimulated in environments that have a lot of noise or lights or, um, things like transitions, like when it's time to stop playing and have dinner, for example, um, or to move from, usually it's playtime, it's the hardest transition to something else like at school. Um, He is in a 4K program right now, so uh, every day is a little bit different, and he's got good days and bad days, and his teacher is aware of his sensory quirks, um, and she's been awesome about helping him navigate some of these transitions. 
so before COVID, um, when he was in a 3K program, we actually sat down and um, chatted with like an occupational therapist and the school psychologist and stuff um, to see what they could change in the classroom to help my almost five-year-old, um, you know, be able to do better during the school day because he was having kind of like meltdowns um, on a pretty frequent basis at school and taking out because he couldn't communicate his feelings of being uncomfortable. Um, he would be he, like hitting other students. He bit one of the kids so hard through their sleeve that it drew blood. Like um, he was getting to like a concerning level of violence. Um, and so then COVID happened and all the schools shut down. And so that kind of just like put a peg in the progress that we had started to make with um, his issues. So he still does not have a formal diagnosis. I wouldn't be surprised if he has like sensory processing disorder or something along those lines, um, just based on the little bit of reading I've done. And I'm not a mental health professional, but I have been trying to research as much as I can on my own to do what I can to help him um, until the pandemic stuff is under control and we can pursue a more formal approach. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with him. The baby is too young to, <laughs> to see right. anything with but <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's got to be so rough. And I know when it comes to those issues, it's always the parent's reaction to be like, is it, did they get it from me? Did they get it from yes. me? And I know you, you brought that up. Um, so, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, that's just so hard and as if it's not difficult enough to already be putting in the ment in the effort of trying to figure it out and try to help them, you then have this additional, you know, feeling and, and weight that you have to carry of like, what did I have to do with this? And that's just terrible mm -hmm. for moms to have to go through. So where are you at now? You've kind of mentioned that you're just kind of managing on a day to day. Some days you are good. Some days are bad. Um, just a lot of adjustments and whatnot. So just summarizing where you're at right now. Yeah, I feel like we're, we're in a good spot right now. And a lot of it has to do with the weather, I think, still being able to get outside and get moving and have sunshine and fresh air has done wonders for my own mental health, for sure. And I know it does for um, my older little guy when we can go out to parks and play um, or play on the place that in our own backyard. And um, I'm trying not to make a self-fulfilling prophecy that the winter is going to be worse, but I just feel like it's going to with, you know, the change in the seasons and being indoors. And um, hopefully he's still able to continue going to his 4K program because I think that'll be fantastic for him to get out there and uh, be socialized with other children instead of just sitting at home with mom and the baby all day. <laughs> I remember that for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, so right now I'm good, but I'm, uh, you know, kind of waiting for the ball to drop with the fall, which it's super depressing. <laughs> I wish I had like a more encouraging mindset right but now. It's also but. this maternal need to like prepare, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially someone who has this, who has like mental health struggles. I can relate to that too. Like just this wanting it to not be a self-fulfilling prophecy for sure. So really good that you're aware of that, but also like this preparedness, like I need to know that this is coming so mm -hmm. I can set myself up and what can we do inside and how do I stay supported during this time? You know, it, it probably is going to get worse, especially yeah. if you're some, it seems like you guys are loving the outside. I love it too. Mm -hmm. gonna, yeah. Winter with toddlers and with kiddos is no fun. <laughs> right. Well, and it's that you made me think of something that I uh, had learned earlier this year in my own therapy sessions too about how to manage my anxiety better. And that's, um, it has to do a little bit with planning. 
but she was like, you know, when you're having these obsessive anxious thoughts about a particular thing, you have to take a step back and think, is there anything I can realistically do about this? If yes, then great, do that thing. If no, um, then you know that this is, you know, out of your control. That for me, that helps me to kind of let go a little bit. Um, and if it is something I can do about, then I can start formulating a plan for how I'm going to tackle some of like the cabin fever and stuff. So yeah. just, it's such a basic concept, but that really helped me. Yeah. I, I heard that. a quote once about, and I think it might even be from like, I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> be like totally wrong here, but I want to say it's like Dr. Seuss. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can, if you can do something about whatever it is that you're worrying about, don't worry about it. And if you can't do anything about what it is that you're worried about, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you can or cannot do anything about what it is that you're worried about, don't worry about it. Because either like you're saying, you can do something about it. Mm -hmm. You can formulate a plan or you can't. And there's nothing, you, it's out of your control. You can't. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it, it's kind of nice to boil down these like really heavy topics sometimes to just this simple decision of like, can I do anything about this? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can relate to that. Absolutely. So what do you wish you knew before, either earlier in motherhood or before pregnancy or at any time? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing for me is I had a lot of fears about the future, about how I wasn't going to like what my life was going to look like, that I was going to lose all of my independence and freedom and that sort of stuff. Um, and, and in a way, I suppose it's kind of true, but I don't see it as losing my freedom or my independence. It's just that life looks a little bit different where, um, you know, when we were still able to travel before the pandemic, um, my husband and I, every year we would do one little getaway, just the two of us, no kids. Um, and that was just amazing. And that was our like chance to reconnect um, and kind of get back to our old selves a little bit. Um, but it's, you know, I love the way that my life is right now with my boys. It's just, I never imagined just how much richer and deeper um, myself, like how I view the world and my relationships with other people, um, how much better everything would get just by having kids. Um, and even though I do have more responsibilities with having two humans that I have to keep alive and, you know, <laughs> keep happy, um, it's, kind of, uh, it, it gives me obviously a reason to keep going every day. And it's my own personal challenge to be the best mom that I can be. Um, and I really love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like everything is different, but different doesn't always have to be bad. Yes. Yeah. I can relate to that too. Um, what would you tell yourself back then if you could talk to that woman now? So again, at any stage. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think the, the piece of advice that I would give to myself like five and a half or six years ago, um, we had just gotten married. And I think that, you know, making time for not only yourself, but yourself and your spouse or partner, wherever you can carve that in, um, is huge for your personal family, family dynamic. And I know not everyone has a spouse or a partner. So if that's the case, I think just making sure you carve out time for yourself as a parent um, is huge because it's so easy to get lost in motherhood or parenthood and that becomes your identity. But even if that is a 10 minute soak in a tub where you can just scroll Facebook or something like that, like just letting yourself be off, which I know we talked about for a little bit, um, 
that's huge. So that's the one piece of advice that I would give to myself because it's something I just kind of had to learn through my journey of being a parent. Yeah, I learned too late in the game that you can't fill from an empty cup. And I remember the Instagram post and the account where I read that. And I think I was like six or seven months in and I was like, oh, that's why I feel like complete crap. (laughs) That's a lot. Like that totally makes sense. And I started to make myself a priority and everyone else benefits at that point. Once we make ourselves a priority and we fill our cups back up, everyone else benefits. And I know, like you said, it's not always practical for women to do that. Um, and it, if they can, that's awesome. Definitely do it. Um, but I know that it does just made a huge difference in my own life and my own parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you think is important for other moms to know? Um, well, just on a more like specific to my situation, I wound up having preeclampsia again with my second baby. So my big thing whenever I have uh, pregnant friends is to gently encourage them to be aware of the signs and symptoms of preeclampsia because early detection can make all of the difference. Um, with my firstborn, obviously we didn't catch it until it was severe. And with my second baby, um, I was taking my blood pressure every night before bed. So I was able to catch it when it started crossing the line from normal to elevated um, really quick. And so because of that and because of the relationship I had developed with my OB that was kind of like a partnership, um, we were able to address it really quickly and they still wound up inducing me because it was technically preeclampsia with severe features again. It was a night and day, like amazing difference between my two labor and deliveries where even though my younger boy was still about a month early, um, he didn't need any NICU time. I had my labor and delivery experience was like 24 hours, um, so it was much shorter. And I think part of it was the second time around, I kind of knew what I was doing. Um, But a major part of it too is that it was caught so much earlier so that my blood pressure wasn't completely out of control. Um, And it was just in a better spot to be able to deliver a baby compared to my first time around. So um, look up the signs and symptoms of preeclampsia people if you're having a baby, (laughs) it can make a big difference. That's good. I like that good like practical knowledge too because I can't tell you. So I feel like the most recent interviews that we've done on my podcast have been women who have had preeclampsia. So it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. So last question, why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? Oh, well, how are you going to grow otherwise? I mean, I feel like, um, you know, the hard stuff is what gives you experience and shapes you into a, a better person and a better parent. And then in turn, that gives you advice and tidbits of knowledge that you can pass down to your kids when they enter adulthood or become parents on their own. So, um, you know, I, I think that hardship is necessary and can even be a good thing depending on um, how you approach it and how you learn from it. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. 
Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.